industry focus. The podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, September 28th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. On this week's financial show, we're going to take a little bit of a different uh, different tack here. We're going to we're going to give you a fall preview show this week. A little bit of a uh, a look at what has has gone on thus far this year and, and and what we're looking for as we get ready to start this final quarter of the year. It's it's September 28th. And that means, you know, October 1st just around the corner here we begin this final quarter of the year and it it's been an interesting year thus far uh, to say the least, but but you know, we want to take a look at what's going on here for the last 3 months of the year. Um and, and you know, talk about the things that we're looking for as we uh, come into this presidential election season and uh, what is what is Certainly, uh, likely to be a an exciting conclusion to the year, if if, if nothing else. Uh, joining me as always this week, it's my partner in crime, it's certified financial planner Matt Frankel. Matt, how's everything? Pretty good. This will be a fun discussion today, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I always like doing these shows. I mean, these preview shows are always they they you know the market's forward looking, and, and you know we want to make some shows that are that are forward looking too, right? Let's not talk about what's happened. Let's talk about what we're looking to happen. And you know, like I said, it's it's been an eventful year to to this point, but we have. A lot of stuff coming up here. We've got a holiday season coming up here. We've got an election that's getting ready to hit. Um, it sounds like Congress might be a little bit closer to uh, putting together a relief package to help folks uh, who are dealing with the challenges of this pandemic economy as, as we hopefully uh, you know, begin to uh, get a little bit closer to at least to, to you know, a, a vaccine and, and, and making things a little bit better, the conditions on the ground there. But but for right now, you know, Matt, I, I wanted to start with just this idea of the September effect. And, and, you know, I don't know that everybody out there really knows about the September effect. I mean, I don't think it's anything that's really uh, perfectly official, but it is something that exists, right? I mean, September historically is a tough month for the markets. And, and that's where the September effect uh, came from here. In so far, September has been a tough month for the market as well. I mean, it wasn't as tough as March, don't get me wrong, but but it's it's definitely had its challenges. Um, it, obviously, we don't invest based on that kind of a timeline, Matt, but with the election just around the corner, COVID headlines continue to dominate the press. We've got a holiday season coming up, a lot of big questions there. We've got some events coming out at some point here in the next month. We should get an idea of, of Apple's new iPhones, uh, which could be a big driver for the holiday season. But given everything that's going on, I've got two questions for you to get this started. Uh, first question is, what are you doing with your money? And then the second question is, what do you think investors need to be focused on here as we as we roll into this final quarter of the year? Well, right now I'm feeling very. I'm always optimistic about the banking and real estate sectors, which is why you have me on the show. But having said that, right now some of these so-called reopening trades are looking pretty attractive. Especially after what you, as you just described, the September effect, a lot of them are well off where they were a month ago. Um, so a lot of bank, I've been adding to a few of my bank positions. Uh, bank of America is one that I've bought more of lately. Um, we, you know, I opened a new position in Lemonade. We discussed that on the show not long ago. Um, I am finally a Mercado Libre Meli shareholder. I can announce. <laughs> I'm, I'm allowed to say that now. It's hey. been a few, been enough time. Better late uh, than never, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I added a little bit to my uh, Simon Property Group, the 
the big mall uh, REIT just because they are by far the best in the business. Um, so I've been making some moves. I've been saving some money in cash, but I'm, I'm investing because I see a lot of opportunity right here. Um, I, I really feel like the market's discounting the pent-up demand. Sure, the, the, the pandemic has lasted longer than anyone thought. I mean, Jason, when, when, when they told us to go home from full HQ in February, did you think it would still be going on as we enter October? Nope. I don't think many so, of us did. <laughs> right. So, so the downside of that is it's been a longer period of slow economic activity. The other side of that is once it's over, the pent-up demand will be that much greater because it's been so much of, more of a disruption than anyone thought. Um, so I, I like the, the pent-up demand angle of it. If we get a stimulus package like you mentioned, which I think is more likely than the market does, it, I you don't want to be short these stocks. And if if a vaccine is approved, which you know, that that's looking likely by the end of the year, you don't want to be short these stocks. So there's a lot of potential catalysts for the reopening trade. So that's really where I'm putting most of my money. I I mean I love the the stay a lot of the stay at home companies like like Zoom, which we're using right now, is is a fantastic company. But I just see so much opportunity in the reopening trades, especially as we're getting into the latter innings of of the pandemic. Yeah, it really does feel like I was reading an article earlier um, this morning regarding uh, Major League Baseball, and you know the playoffs are getting ready to start for Major League Baseball, and it was an abbreviated season, no fans in the stands and whatnot. They talked about, um, I think they took something to the effect of a forty percent hit in, in revenue they would normally. Um, have have gotten from from being able to have fans in the stands and whatnot and you know they were already talking about come april when you start getting back into a new baseball season we obviously don't know what things are going to look at look like then but but they are already talking about figuring out ways to get fans in the stands even if it's just some and you know i mean we're seeing football pulling this off to a degree i mean certainly um major league baseball had a couple of of early issues that they had to tighten up in regard to testing in in, in the spread the nfl has been based on the statistics i've seen the nfl has just done a tremendous job um and it's nice to see some of these games with some fans in the stands. so it, it just kind of makes me think like if you get back out there yeah that people going places and attending events and whatnot even if it's just a little bit right something that starts that process back up that could really unlock a lot of a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of a lot of value creation there um, what do you think investors need to be focused on right now? I mean, is there, in, in, particularly in the financials area, whether it's real estate, I mean, we talk a lot about commercial real estate and this potential uh, for for the bottom falling out in commercial real estate if we do really go to this full-time like remote workforce. Uh, what, and you were talking about banks earlier too. I mean, banks kind of look like they could be uh, in for a long stretch of, of, of tough earnings uh, power, but, but maybe that is the time to be to be looking at buying these banks when they're on the cheap, right? Yeah, like from, from the bank point of view, the stimulus is obviously something to look at. Um, like I said, if, if, especially with the enhanced unemployment benefits, because that really could make the difference between um, people being able to pay their bills and not being able to pay their bills, which at the end of the day is what banks rely on, people being able to pay back their loans. Um, and I mean, the election is an obvious area of focus for investors. I don't really see it to be a mark unless we get a giant surprise in November, meaning that um, you know one side or the other sweeps all all three um, you know the House, Senate, and the White House. Um, unless we get a big surprise, I don't see it being a giant market moving event. There's some regulatory risk when it comes to the Democrats either winning the White House or the Senate or or whatever. 
Um, right now, it's a pretty regulatory-friendly environment for business, especially in the financial sector. Um, and and don't I mean don't forget that the banks were probably the industry that benefited the most from the the tax cuts. Um, you know they they were the they pay pretty much the full corporate tax rate on on all their earnings. Um, and um, Biden's already talking about rolling that back. But on the other hand, I have to believe that you know a Biden victory is at least somewhat priced into the market at this point. Just based on the polls, I'm not saying politically one way or the other, but just based on the poll numbers, I'd have to say that that's at least kind of priced in at this point. You would think, yeah, you would think. Yeah, so as an investor, I'm not that worried about what the effects of a Democratic presidency would do to the banks, just because that's probably already reflected in these prices you're seeing. Yeah, to a degree, to a degree. And I mean, it's it's also worth mentioning. I mean, you look back over time, and I mean, the track record of... Democrat or Republican president. I mean, you see wins and losses in both. I mean, the market goes up, the market goes down in, in all sorts of administrations. But it, it does, it reminds me a little bit of a, you know, I got a question um, on Twitter earlier. Uh, a gentleman, Matt Agee, uh, direct messaged me actually, kind of asking about the same kind of idea here. Like, what do you do in situations like this? And it got me thinking, you know, the one thing to me that really it came back to me is, you know, it's understandable if you don't feel like there are a lot of great ideas or great valuations out there right now. Um, and, and so you don't necessarily need to be out there buying stocks, but the key really is to stay invested, right? It's it's we don't trade in and out of positions based on what we think might happen in any type of political climate. I mean, the idea is the investments that you have, the investments that you like, you want to make sure you stay invested. And if you don't find a lot of, of opportunities out there right now screaming uh, at you, then hey, listen, start building up some cash. That's okay too, right? It's understandable if you're not feeling like there's there's really a lot of opportunity to buy something. So yeah, hey, listen, just start building up some cash. But I think the real key is to just continue staying invested because that that really is that really is a, a major part of the calculus there in in achieving those those awesome long term returns that we we continue to see the longer that we keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, and I mean, as an investor, kind of the key when it comes to political stuff is to anticipate, not to react to it. Um, in in other words, buy companies that'll do well no matter who's in charge. If it's looking like you're, yeah, you know, if 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 you think that there's going to be a shifted power, and bank stocks might be under pressure, maybe shift some assets into another type of into another sector. But I mean, don't don't react and hit the panic button and sell. If if let's say just for example, the Democrats take the House and the Senate and the and the White House, don't hit the panic button and sell your bank stocks because these. I mean, if they're well-run companies, they'll do fine over time, no matter who's in charge. And that's kind of one of the keys to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we just say an election is not an investment thesis, um, you know, and, and we just move on from there. <laughs> well, let's take a look here too at um, some other ideas as far as what we're expecting here. Um, we're having a little fun here with this with this uh, preview here, but I want you to give me a business prediction. This can be anything ranging from something you think may happen with a company, something you think may happen with a CEO or an industry. I mean, it could really be anything. Give us a business prediction in the financial space that you feel like uh, could come true here over the next few months. Sure. Um, The big thing I think will come true is that we'll see a lot more consolidation in the brokerage space. Um, If you remember, um, you know, Schwab just acquired TD Ameritrade. But there are still a ton of independent brokerages, and all these fintechs are now starting their own little brokerage arms. Um, you got Square rolling out its investment arm. You got um, what's the other one? Um, 
you know, I mean, you have Robin Hood, you have SoFi running out, rolling out a brokerage arm. Um, everyone has, every, you know, all these fintechs are rolling out brokerages. And right now, you, you know, they can't charge commissions right now. That's just not part of the business model anymore. So uh, the way you make your money in a, you know, low, low margin environment, which they're making money off, you know, deal flow and things like that. But the way you make your money is efficiency. And the way to build your efficiency is to scale. So I could see a lot more consolidation in the brokerage space. And I'll give you my bold prediction in the brokerage space. And that's and that's that Square is going to acquire a brokerage. Oh, wow. Um, that's I, a good one. Like like a Robin Hood or, or one, of, one of the fintechy ones. That could be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's another, that's my there's another one. That's a bold prediction. I mean, but there there's a lot out there uh, to look at, right? I mean, there's this new... Uh, Brokerage, there's this new app, I think it's called Public, that is, you know, they they let you buy fractionals here. It seems kind of like a Venmo type of of platform and that it it, you know, it's it's community-based investing, right? You can see what people are buying and selling and, and you can get a better idea of, of what uh, people are bullish and bearish on. And um Remember that um that Squares is uh their brokerage is part of the Cash app. Square Square acquires Robinhood, their Cash App users go from thirty million to forty million really quick. Um, so that maybe that could make sense as a business move, you know, in general. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see there. I like that though. That's a bold prediction indeed. Um, what about one stock that you feel like needs to be on a short leash right now? Stock in the financial space where you feel like investors need to be keeping an eye on this one and not necessarily for good reasons, right? <laughs> well, one that I think is kind of not that it's a bad investment, but definitely one to keep an eye on is Wells Fargo. Um, I mean, we all know the fake account scandal and the you know thirty five other scandals or however many there were that, that came that came out. I mean, I was Something a victim like of one, I was an attempted victim of one of their scandals. I guess you would say I, when when they were improperly charging their auto loan customers for auto insurance. I, I got one of the notices in the mail, and if you didn't fight it like right away, you got charged on your account. Um, awesome. I mean, fortunately, I'm in front of my computer all day, so I could uh. d- dispute it really quick when I saw it. Yeah. Um, but so Wells Fargo is still trying to move on from that. Right now is not a great environment to just be a savings and loan. Wells Fargo has some investment banking operations, but not really. It's a substantial amount. Those types of banking operations make money when they're, the market's going crazy. Um, I mean, go, the, the second quarter was, you know, one of Goldman's, I think it was their second best ever, um, the second quarter when the sky was falling in the market. And, you know, the, because of their trading revenue, because of uh, underwriting, because of advisory revenue, things like that. Wells Fargo doesn't have that side of the business to kind of fall back on if things go poorly in the economy. Um, so between that and that there's still a, a very much a turnaround story. I mean, Buffett's trimming his stake heavily. He's got to see a lot of risk there too. Um, but like I said, I, I, it might not be a bad investment long-term, but it's definitely one that needs to be kept an eye, kept an eye on right now. Yep. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. We will probably be talking about that one still a good good ways into 2021 um okay well the opposite side of the coin there uh give us one stock that you're more bullish on today in the financial space than you were at the beginning of the year if i had to name one in the financial sector it would probably be goldman oh okay um and i'll, and I'll tell you why I, we, we all know that their 2019 um commercial bank or consumer banking growth was pretty impressive right the, the apple card they said was like the most successful credit card launch of all time the Marcus platform keeps growing at a crazy rate. And even after the pandemic, their consumer banking growth is continuing. Uh, in the past couple of months, they just um, signed a, a partnership agreements with both Walmart and Amazon 
to provide small business loans to their customers or to their merchants. And if you want to break into the you know e-commerce business lending section, those are pretty much the two names that you could corner the market with right there, Walmart and Amazon. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, just just recently, Goldman finally launched its quietly is launching its Main Street um, you know investment planning like a robo advisory type type platform. I'm uh, interviewing the head of that next week to get a little to get some more details. Right now, it's just kind of a soft rollout. It sounds like. But so they're, they're, so they're really expanding in consumer banking. And unlike these other banks that might start struggling, Goldman, one, has their a giant investment banking business to fall back on. And two, they don't have that legacy branch infrastructure dragging their cost structure down. So it, it, it's a really exciting time to be building a consumer bank that does not have branches and has that kind of a brand name and, and franchise to build on. So that's one that I'm even more bullish than I was at the beginning of the year. And I've, I've been a Goldman fan. Yeah, and we've—I mean, we've obviously had uh, folks from Goldman on the show before, and I mean, all throughout the year, we've been following their investments in Marcus and the things that they've been building. And it is—I think you—it is really exciting to watch that because it feels to me like it feels to me like it would be more difficult to focus on build like the way Goldman's going about it and building out. You know, they've always had this investment side of the business, and in. And, and, Adopting technology to build out more consumer solutions seems like it would be a little bit easier to do as opposed to having to build out the investment side of the business, right? I mean, that investment side of the business, that takes a lot of capital, a lot of experience, and a lot of time, really, not only to build out, but to have the track record, the trust, the success. Um, you know, technology is, is really brought barriers down for all sorts of, of ways of doing things. And so, to see them and making those investments, it's, it's uh, exciting. I, I certainly understand that. Uh, well, before we wrap things up this week, Matt, we did want to give you a chance to take a few minutes uh, listeners may know that you are a member of one of our. Uh, you're, you're a member of, of, of a team of, of one of our services here at, at the Motley Fool. You work on our real estate uh, team here with our services in Million Acres and with Mogul. And uh, it sounds like you all over there at Million Acres and Mogul have a new service getting ready to open up. I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about it and tell us what the service is going to focus on. Yeah, the service actually went live last week. Uh, I can announce officially now. Well, congratulations. Uh, called, thank you. It's called Real Estate Winners. Pretty simple to the point, winning real estate stocks. <laughs> um, that was, that was we, we went through a few different possible names, and that was one that we settled on. Well, given um, that, now, real quick, I don't mean to interrupt, but given that, you know, you're, 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 you're partnered up with Matt Argersinger there. Maddie is a big Boston sports guy. I mean, I kind of feel like maybe this should have been called Real Estate Winners, right? Winners, like AHS, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I could see Maddie saying that. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so basically, what the service does, it it starts you off with a portfolio of or a recommended portfolio of ten of the best real estate investment opportunities we can find. Um, right. I mean, if you if you don't know, this is why I'm so excited about this. Real estate was probably the worst hit sector during the pandemic. When you think about it, real estate is something that in usually relies on people's ability and willingness to go somewhere. Um, so for that reason, real estate stocks got beaten down. A lot of them are still trading for way under where they were at the start of the year. And if you know how to pick the winning companies, there are there's such a great long-term opportunity right now in real estate. And um, that's we, we are so happy we get to start this from scratch right now. And people on the ground floor are going to get some really good long-term opportunities. Um, so how it works is we um, have what's called our top 10 which right now we just launched. So we have 10 recommendations that we make. Um, each month we deliver one or more new investment ideas to members. 
And every quarter we refresh the top 10 out of our universe of recommendations. We pick the, our 10 favorite to put money in right now. And um, our, the goal is obviously to beat the market over time and to do so at without a lot of volatility. Um, real estate over the past hundred years has actually beat the stock market. Um, real estate investments have achieved an average of about a 11% annualized return for the past century and have done it with about half the volatility of the stock market. So it's a great, not I wouldn't say low risk, but it's definitely a way to mitigate your volatility, diversify your portfolio, and still achieve great long-term returns. And I can give a link if that's all right. Yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, I don't know if it's just can people go to millionacres.com and find out more about this? Is there a place where they can go learn more about real estate winners and uh, and all the great stuff that you guys are doing uh, with the real estate uh, side of our business? Well, you can on Million Acres. Um, if you want to go directly to it, and this link will give you, uh, it's, a, I think, $50 less than the normal rate um, to buy it. Uh, it's real.fool.com, R-E-A-L.fool.com. Very nice. Very nice. So, listeners out there interested in real estate, check these guys out because they really know what they're doing. Uh, been working with Matty for as long as I've been here at The Fool. Been working with Matt Frankel here for uh, the past couple of years with the show, and I can, I can vouch for their real estate prowess. So, Matt, congratulations on that uh, launch there. I'm sure you guys will do great things, even in the face of a difficult real estate market. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm, ex- I'm really excited to see where this goes. Yep. Yep. Well, we'll be following it, and we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely catch up, see how things are going. But I think that is going to do it uh, for us this week, folks. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time to join. As always, I appreciate you uh, giving us your thoughts here on the the fall preview show for Industry Focused Financials this year. Of course, glad to be here, and it's always fun to to talk about the future with you. Like we have crystal balls here. For sure. I, I, I think you I think I see one on the piano behind you over there. <laughs> it's it's possible. It's possible. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> Remember, folks, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus, or you can drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. We always love hearing from our listeners. Uh, so make sure and, and uh, drop us a line and let us know what's going on in your world of investing. If you have ideas for the show, stocks you want to know more about, that's what we're here for. Uh, but as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, uh, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together. And, and, you know, hey, listen, thanks, Tim, for keeping our audio levels in check, too, because I know that's not an easy thing to do. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.